Hi everyone, um, this is our fourth podcast um, on autism and today we will be looking at uh, working memory. Um, I'm Dr Lisa Alcorn, um, you have the pleasure of me today uh, and I'm going to be asking the questions for a change um, and we have Ashley Wilson uh, who um, will be helping to answer the questions. This topic uh, really came from the World Autism Day event where we had uh, a session, a, a question and answer session um, and fielding the questions uh, there was quite a few frequent questions around working memory hence the podcast. So welcome Ashley. Good afternoon. And just to start us off with the topic would you like to just give us an overview of what working memory is? Uh, yeah, so work and memory is part of a wider system called the central executive system and I like to think of this system as the operational manager of work and memory. It allocates streams of information to the right part of the brain that allows us to process it and present an adequate response. So work and memory is essentially the ability to store information for a period of time while you carry out the actions around that information so it retains and processes at the same time. Think of it if you were baking a chocolate cake, you store the information about the chocolate cake whilst processing the actions necessary to follow the recipe. It's a bit of a temporary mental storeroom in your mind. Work and memory does have three components and these do different things. The first of the three components is what's called a phonological loop, often referred to as the verbal brain which is a lot easier to remember. This component allows you to process verbal and written language. The next component is the visual spatial sketch pad and again this can be referred to as the visual brain. This allows you to process what you see in your environment and also supports you to move through your environment freely without bumping into things. The third component is what's called the episodic buffer. This is the part of the brain that links the information from the other two areas to and from your long-term memory. This then allows you to retain this, this information for future use. For example, it will support the verbal brain to link information when looking at a road sign from your long-term memory so you remember what the sign means when you see it again. The episodic buffer also helps the visual brain to process information to and from your long-term memory so that you remember where things are located. This is, this is by picturing them in your head like a mental sketch. That's a huge area, isn't it? And huge. it's a really complex uh, part of work and memory. And I know um, in SJOG, we break that down uh, in our training, don't we? Yes, absolutely. And you have examples where we use empathy training, you put somebody in put somebody in that situation <laughs> yeah. um, so that they can actually feel the experience of that. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's something um, uh, really interesting, that. Uh, one of the other questions was... Um, there's there's often a difficulty isn't there with what we expect to observe if someone has poor working memory so how do we how do we identify that i suppose so working memory is linked very closely with cognitive function so what you would expect to observe in somebody who's got difficulties around work and memory would be that they might have issues around problem solving they might not actually be able to determine what the next step in a routine is or what the next step in a task is and especially for individuals with autism, it's really important because if we're linking that to things around safety or responding to things like a fire alarm, they might not be able to process, they might understand that there was a fire alarm, but they might not, because of that work and memory issue, be able to process the actions in response mm -hmm. to that fire alarm. Mm -hmm. You'll often observe individuals almost stopping and be becoming quite stuck 
um, and we've actually talked about this in one of our other podcasts around systemizing, but it's it's more about not being able to, to physically move forward in a task or an instruction because the, that work and memory element just isn't there. Um, you might also notice difficulty with the person being able to follow instructions or processing too many instructions at once. Um, it's really important when we deliver instructions or we ask somebody um, a question that we are doing it in a very consistent way and we're using language that is, is known to them because the minute that you start changing elements of your language, um, think of it as can you put your coat on and then two seconds later you go come on put your jacket on. We are very aware that a coat and a jacket is potentially the same item, but you've changed the structure of that sentence and you've actually changed the understanding and the meaning of that sentence for the person with autism. So you'll often find that the individual might take longer to process information or they might need additional support when you're asking them a question. Uh, one of the other things that you actually might notice as well, and this, this is directly linked to that uh, visual spatial sketch pad, is that the person may find navigating or directions really difficult. Um, I remember uh, supporting an individual a few years ago who going out on the bus was absolutely amazing as long as we were driving forward <laughs> but the minute that we had to reverse for any particular reason this mm. young lady became very anxious she didn't understand that, that she was going backwards or why she was going backwards and we would often end up in, in a situation where this lady become very distressed um, it might also mean, or you might also observe, that the person isn't aware of their, where their body is in space, so you might actually find them bumping into things or following the perimeter of a room um, because that visual spatial sketch pad hasn't allowed them to map out that room effectively enough, so mm. they might step on things or they might bump into the corners of furniture. Mm. Um, so it's, it's really important to observe that because actually you might think your environment looks very homely, but it could actually be quite distressing if your furniture is placed in the wrong place for somebody with issues around work of memory. Mm. Mm. Again, lots pa packed in there, and but I think one thing I, I picked out of what you just said is that person-centred understanding of how autism impacts on that individual is really, really important to understand. Um, and having a very clear understanding of that profile will help people to think autism yeah. and think yeah. in that person's autism. I, I think that's a, a really good point. So bearing all of that in mind, how can that impact on quality of life then? Um, I think for the individual with autism, it can, it can be really difficult because if you think of how we interact daily with, with each other, we, we're often having conversations and we're re recounting memories. We're often talking about something we've watched or somewhere we've been mm. or potentially a conversation that we've had. And because of that work and memory and that, that breakdown with the episodic buffer, that person's ability to recount um, an experience whilst also talk about that experience can be quite different. Mm. Um, they'll often be, un be unable to process and answer verbal instructions or questions quickly. Mm. So in a social situation, especially from so tra that transition from childhood to adulthood, where those social relationships are really important and that social circle is really important, it can often mean that the individual is almost left behind because yeah. they're not moving through those social 
acceptable phrases as quickly as everybody else. Mm. Um, yeah. Learning can also be quite hindered around that because if you think of how we learn, we, we have a new experience and we, we almost repeat that in our mind so that it becomes a habit or mm. it becomes a skill that we develop. Mm. When you have a work and memory issue, you're unable to, to repeat that in your head. That phonological loop doesn't allow you to, to be able to remember a phone number, for instance. So mm -hmm. if we want to remember something, we'll say it over and over and over in our mind. Where that falls down for somebody with autism is that phonological loop isn't filtering that information to the right part of the brain, meaning that you're not learning something as quickly as somebody else. Mm it can actually make you feel quite inadequate or you can feel quite left behind, especially in social and academic circles because you almost feel like you are able to learn but potentially you're not learning as quickly as everybody else and, yeah. and that can often make somebody feel quite isolated. Mm. Um, the other major area, as I've described a little bit there with that lady who I supported a few years ago, is, is work and memory is really important for reasoning and processing responses to what's going on around you. So you can, you can actually appear to be quite irrational when you have work and memory problems because you're unable to process the information but link it to an appropriate response. So it might be that, that this person might appear to, to almost go into a bit of a fight or flight mode because actually they're not able to process what an effective response to that stimulation is. So mm. whether it is something in the environment or whether it is a question that they don't understand, it can often lead to the person not being socially accepted or it might actually lead to restrictions being placed upon that person because mm. the, the behaviour becomes quite uh, unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. I, I know um, we often see in practice terms when we put strategies in place that we, um, we ask for consistency but we need to have lots of repetition Yeah. because yeah. People, are, people with autism are often called patchy learners um, and patchy thinkers which means yeah. repetition 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 but it has to be done in the same way every single time doesn't it yeah. so being very clear in care planning about how that is done is really really important alongside making sure that the environment is the same environment where the person is learning as well yeah, yeah. i think they're, they're good points it is, and, and I think I think what we forget is it's it's scientifically proven. It, it can take up to sixty five days for for somebody new typically to develop a habit and understand a skill, yeah. and yet we also almost put that on to somebody with autism who has who has a work of memory issue, and we're actually trying to almost keep it within that same yeah. time frame, and we're not often yeah. supportive when it doesn't work. Yeah, I know at SJOG we. Um, we train and, and teach our colleagues around working memory yeah. and um, and also for people with learning disabilities as, uh, alongside autism. So I think it's a real key one. Then the next question is a what can we do question. Um, yeah. We had lots of that from the World Autism Q&A event that we did in uh, April. And a lot of the questions were what can we do yeah. to a situation. And this question is exactly the same. So what can we do to support working memory? Um, I think like we've discussed in, in other podcasts, absolutely understanding the person and the person-centred needs of the person is, is absolutely key. And I also think where possible, if, you, if you've got that person-centred knowledge of the person, start to look around them, start to tailor the environment. And mm. here at SJOB, we actually do use um, an autism-capable environments tool, which assesses the environments that our individuals are supported in, and it allows us to move and adapt things. 
Um, it might be something as simple as ensuring that your furniture is set out in the right place mm-hmm. so that the person is able to, to create that mental sketch pad of the room and where things are. And it, that might be what has stopped them from completing the task because they don't know where the knives and forks are yeah, kept or yeah. they don't know where mm-hmm. the plates are kept. So I think it is really important to understand the individual first and, and have knowledge of what environments are favourable to them. Um, I think what we what we can do and, and what we often try and do from that autism assessment and when we understand the individual is what tasks are or what tasks is the right level for the person to, to be asked to, to do because what we don't want is we don't want to be set in a task that is so complex and so difficult. Mm for them that actually what we end up causing is those feelings of inadequacy and that mm-hmm. feeling of wanting to move away from the task um, and I think we can be overzealous at times we, mm-hmm. we can but for something that might be quite easy for, for us or we think it's easy for us could actually mean lots of different transitional steps for that work and memory to work through and, and I don't think we, we consider that quite often mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I suppose one of the strategies would, would definitely be was ensure that your tasks are broken down um, ensure that you've got lots of support and information. If if you are asking somebody to put their coat on, use their coat as a visual cue. Mm. Don't talk about something that isn't easily accessible. And if you are going to do something, do it at the time. Mm. Don't say put your coat on, but then expect the person to stand in their coat for 15 minutes before you do something about that. Good point. Um, <laughs> because I do think at times objects of reference can mean different things and if you think of how when we've just spoke there about that episodic buffer creating long-term memory it might be that the person associates the court with going out and what you're actually doing in that 15 minutes while you're taking your time is you're almost breaking that that link of mm-hmm. the court being worn outside um, so it's really important that that tasks are broken down but where possible support them with visual um, aids We've also got things like social stories, uh, picture cards, written steps, keep things very concise. Um, going back to that individualised autism assessment, understand what communication aids are appropriate for the person because you don't want to be giving somebody a, a photograph um, of something that's got lots and lots of detail in when actually they respond better to a widget rebus symbol that might be black and white. Mm. Um, so it's really important that you understand that. Um, allow time and provide reassurance to the person. Tasks might take a little bit longer, but the longer that 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 person needs, the less stress on Mm -hmm. the person Mm -hmm. for completing the task. If you know that something else is happening at five o'clock, don't start a a, a task or an activity at quarter to five because you're not allowing enough time for that person. Um, Plan the task in steps and repeat the sequence of steps in the exact same way. What we often find is that you will you will have somebody who might try something new and they'll they'll process that, but then the next time that you try and do it, you might change the the place that you're doing it. Mm. Um, and I know we we've talked about this in a different podcast, but when we talk about generalizing behaviour, and an individual might learn to swim in one swimming pool, but if you change that swimming yeah. pool, yeah. it's completely different because that work and memory element and that long term memory is the person swimming in a particular pool. Mm. Um, it's quite hard to get your head around, but it, it's, it's, it's all around consistency for the person mm. so that you do create those long-term memory links. Mm. Um, and again, positive reassurance goes a long way depending on what that looks like for the person as well. And I think a really good point is actually when you don't understand that, the effect that that can have 
on an individual's well-being as well as their um self-esteem and everything isn't it yeah yeah yeah. i'm thinking of a particular situation where um we supported a young man after quite a a critical incident um uh, years earlier um uh, when when the young man was in a different organization and he used to go to the same supermarket Mm -hmm. uh he used to get his same same bottle of pop or whatever it was and then he would go to the same checkout and and process it and and walk out the door. Yeah. Um. But because there was a lack of understanding of his work and memory, his support team at the time took him to another, uh, shop. Yeah. Same same named shop, but it was a different shop, different layout, and then they couldn't understand why he was becoming anxious. And then unfortunately, he became very very distressed um, and hit out yeah. at the staff in the shop um, and that actually caused restrictions on him actually if I remember rightly yeah. so but when you think about it that that was because the, the team at the time lacked the knowledge around work and memory they weren't bad people they no. just didn't understand work and memory and didn't understand how that could impl- implicate and affect yeah. that young man so um there was lots packed in there. I think we could break that down and have another podcast, oh, several podcasts on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, just to kind of round things off, um, I think it might be useful for the audience to hear of uh, a typical practical example of how you would support somebody with a work and memory difficulty. Uh, for example, just an everyday task, such as like making a cup of tea, for example. How would you break that down? Yeah, um... So I think in terms of what we've discussed, we need to prepare the environment first before we actually bring that person to the environment because where are you most likely to make a cup of tea? It's going to be in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. There's going to be lots of other things potentially in the kitchen that are going to be more interesting than making a cup of tea. (laughs) Food. Yes. Um, So you need to kind of be really clear. You need to make sure that that environment is set up for the task that you actually want the person to do. And... Like we said earlier on in, in the podcast, it's it's about understanding the current ability abilities of the person, but actually what, what element of that do we want to develop? Because it might be that straight away they're not going to understand at all even what a cup of tea potentially is. Mm. Um, I've seen strategies in the past where we've actually worked on tasks backwards, um, where they see the, the end product at the start of the routine, so they are aware of, of what that what that product actually is or what that item actually is and this can be really effective um but again it's about looking at it in steps so don't expect the the boiling of the kettle the the putting of the tea bag in even the locating of the cup and the tea bags and all of those elements first you need to break it right down and actually strip it right back to what is it that you want the person to do as step one Mm. Um, we've talked about using things like visual aids if you are going to use something like a social story start off with a now and next rather Mm. than putting that full story onto a page of how you make a cup of tea start off with exactly what that first step is and then what the next step is repeat that a few times until you're confident that the individual is confident in their abilities around that mm. the minute you add something to that routine you are changing that whole routine and i think it's really important to remember that in setting everything up each time you do this it has to be the same it has to be the the same colored bottle of milk it has to be the same cup um and again, provide that positive reassurance all the way through it. But it's all about small steps to achieve bigger outcomes. 
Um, and I think it's really important that we allow time and, mm. and consistency around the people that we support, especially around everyday tasks. I always remember being, um, when I was learning about working memory, and the task was to, in groups, to identify how you would iron a shirt. Yeah. And the different ways you can iron a shirt is unbelievable. There are millions of ways to iron a shirt. Yeah. And not to mention what happens if that shirt is a different colour yeah. or it has a pattern on it. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think what you've highlighted there is there's lots of variables and you need to establish what the One absolutely consistent, consistent yeah. routine would be for that individual. Yeah. Um, I think we'll leave it there. I think there's, there's so much packed in there um, that we could do more. Um, but thank you very much um, just a note to the audience um, if you hear these podcasts and there is a particular topic that you would like to know more about or you would like us to delve more into this particular topic or any others that we've done um, please uh, drop us a comment um, we do look at your questions we do listen and we are here um, to hopefully be of more help um, to more people in our local community so thank you very much and watch this space for more podcasts in the future.